With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to episode 49 of the Jaguar Report podcast. Frankly, a little shocked that we've made it to 49, but here we are. I'm your host, John Shipley. I'm my co-host, Gus Logue. Unable to be with us this episode. He'll be back for the next one. You know, some obviously, uh, you know, some scheduling stuff has you know kind of put us back from putting an episode out sooner. We are here now, episode forty-nine, to talk about every single player on the Jaguars' current fifty-three-man roster. The roster that you know in a week from today is set to take on the Indianapolis Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium, and the Jaguars have obviously sky-high expectations for the season. I'd say arguably the most expectations they've had for a season, you know, really in the last probably two decades. I Even 2018 season, I think the hype going into that season, you know, it was still a bit of copium <laughs> that, you know, yeah, Blake Bortles can get us, you know, to the Super Bowl. He almost did it last year, et cetera, et cetera. I think the hype around the Jaguars and inside the building is more substantial now than it's ever been. And a big reason for that is obviously the quarterback position. But we will talk about all of that later, obviously. But for now, it is time to talk about the Jaguars' 53-man roster. The first place to start is always the quarterback. And, you know, after Trevor Lawrence, you know, narrowly made the roster this season, joining him (laughs) is backup quarterback C.J. Bethune. Now, Jaguars ended up carrying two quarterbacks instead of three and I thought carrying two running two quarterbacks, excuse me, was always the obvious move for the Jaguars. I really think that, you know, there's a big misconception with the third quarterback rule. So the actual rule is, you know, you have to if you want the third quarterback active, he has to be on your 53 man roster. But if he's active on game day, he doesn't count toward your active game day roster, which is, you know, obviously the near 50 players. So not all 53 players are active on game day. So that means you can have a third quarterback active and also have maybe an offensive lineman that would otherwise be inactive. I I think that a lot of people think that means that, okay, you can have a third quarterback and he doesn't count at all towards the 53-man roster. That is not the case. (laughs) He very much would. So, you know, if – they wanted to keep Nathan Ward as the third quarterback. They would have had to let go of somebody like, you know, Christian Braswell, Monteric Brown, Jermichael Hasty, and Elijah Cooks, Parker Washington. And I really think that it was always obvious that the Jaguars were going to roll with two quarterbacks. You know, they brought Rourke in to see, you know, what he had. Maybe he can be somebody who they can develop 
for the long term. Maybe he can be a long-term number two behind Lawrence. But it was always obvious they were going to keep two. And they were never going to keep work over Beathard because, you know, absolutely, in my opinion, work outplayed Beathard during the preseason. He had a lot of flashy plays, you know, a lot of upside. You you could see why he was so successful in Canada. But the Jaguars aren't looking for their number two quarterback to be the second best quarterback on the roster every time. They're looking for him to be the best backup quarterback, the best quarterback who can help Trevor Lawrence prepare each week, the quarterback who can really be there for Trevor Lawrence weekly and offer the most to him as his backup. That's the thing. They're not looking for a backup who can really, you know, who which quarterback is it would be able to stay in the ship if Lawrence went down. They're looking for which quarterback can help Lawrence the most right now in 2023. That's the role C.J. Bathroom plays for the Jaguars offense each and every week. And if you want to talk about, you know, a quarterback who's more equipped for that role, Bethard has a lot of experience. He has, a, you know, a long rapport with Lawrence. He's been a starter in this league. And I really think that, you know, work, it, it was just a signing where when he was signed, you know, it was just obvious that this was how things were going to go. But I will say the Jaguars, you know, did make the smart move by carrying two quarterbacks because they knew work wasn't going to be claimed by the way. You know, not many quarterbacks are claimed on waivers. You know, you have to be a recent, you know, somewhat significant draft pick. You know, Matt Corral the other day, you know, he was, uh, you know, a mid-round pick. He is somebody like him. If he's out early on, the teams will probably out of that guy. But teams, you know, they have their first and second quarterback spots set. A lot of teams aren't carrying three quarterbacks. So it, it really shows you, you know, that the Jaguars, they made the right call on, you know, at very least – the quarterback position. That brings us to the running back position. And, you know, this was one of the only spots we got wrong on our 53-man, you know, roster prediction. I didn't have Jermichael Hasty making the roster. He obviously made it, you know. And it, it, in some ways, it's easy to see why. You know, the coaching staff has always been, you know, big Hasty fans. I think that Press Taylor especially, you know, really likes that Hasty can do. You've seen Hasty even in the first preseason game when the Jaguars got in the red zone and they went empty. Hasty was the running back who was on the field, not Travis Etienne, not Tank Bigsby, obviously not Deonis Johnson. So you've seen Hasty get some run. Which I mean, he was with the offense in the you know final significant drives versus Kansas City Chiefs in the playoff game. So he's really he's the most experienced and the oldest guy in that room. But I felt like the course of the preseason. You really saw Dearness Johnson, you know, leapfrog him for that not only that number three running back role, but his role on special teams. You know, most special teams have at least one running back on it. At least the Jaguars have, you know, last year with Heath Farwell and last year, you know, it was hasty. Right now, it's Dearness Johnson. You know, Dearness Johnson earned that role. Obviously, he earned that number three role. He was somebody who I I, I didn't go back and forth on him being on the fifty-three man roster. He felt like a lock after the preseason, but keeping hasty was an interesting decision. You know, I, I I could see him being kind of an inactive guy during, you know, parts of the year. But I get it. You know, you want as much experience as you can, you know, especially at a position where maybe injuries stack up. And I think if you look at, you know, running back one through four, the Jaguars running back room, you know, stacks up pretty well, in my opinion, across the league. You have, you know, an explosive 1,000-yard Russian ETN who – has potential to be one of the most explosive rushers in the entire league. 
You have uh, Tank Bigsby, who looks like a solid complement to ETN, uh, an effective power back. Dearness Johnson, you know, kind of a do-it-all type. Uh, he can pass protect, he can catch, he can run zone, he can play special teams. And then Hasty, who's a really good pass catching back and, you know, got experience last year as their number two back behind ETN. So I think that is one of their strongest rooms, especially as you move forward. And I think, you know, really the only notable move to come from the running back room was Snoop Connor being waived. And it, it wasn't surprising. The riding was always kind of the wall on that front, but the Jaguars were able to bring them back, you know, for the practice squad. It, you know, kind of is what it is on that front. You know, maybe Snoop takes it to the year of the practice squad, comes back next year, you know, an improved player. So that brings us to the next position group, the wide receiver room. It was surprising to see the Jaguars carry seven receivers. That I mean, they I, I'm not sure you saw any projections out there with seven receivers. Receivers, I didn't have it. I had Tim Jones and Parker Washington making it. I didn't have Elijah Cooks making it. You know, we'll get into obviously why it looks like he made it. But seven receivers, I think that speaks to the fact that that room stood out so much for the Jaguars this preseason that it became obvious if you let go of either Washington or Cooks you were letting go of a player who another team was going to be able to get. And I don't think the Jaguars are comfortable with letting either one of them go for absolutely nothing. You know, if you have talented players who other teams want, you want them either on your roster or you want to get something back for them. You don't want to, you know, wave them and just let them, you know, enter the claim, you know, process. And I think if the Jaguars waved either one of those guys, there would have obviously been potential of one of them, being picked up you know receivers is obviously one of the most talked about positions really throughout the entire league in terms of you know trade interest when it comes to stuff like the 53 man roster deadline so i I know baltimore said teams are calling them their phones are ringing off the hook you know teams love to call about receivers at this point even if trades don't always happen and it's not surprising to me to see the jaguars get calls on parker washington to me the surprising thing was that, you know, I mean, it may be hard to say it's surprised that Elijah Cooks made the roster because he did enough in training camp in the preseason to deserve it. You know, he was definitely a player who, you know, deserved to be in that mix. The fact that he made it over guys like Seth Williams, like Jacob Harris, obviously really speaks to him and what he was able to do. I think that the big thing for him was he showed a different type of skill set than any other player that they had. You know, he's 6'4", 215. He's really good after the catch. He's a really good, you know, deep ball, you know, big body. And that's something that, you know, they don't have elsewhere on the roster, which to me is I think is the biggest reason why he's currently, you know, there on the 53. Now, the question is, what kind of role does he play early on? To me, like, you know, you look at the Jaguars, obviously Calvin Lee's their one. Christian Kirk will probably be the two, the slot receiver. And Zay Jones will clearly, you know, play significant snaps outside. So you have your three starters there. Jamal Agnew is going to be a gadget guy. You know, Kirk's back up in the slot and somebody who will get his snaps now and then. And then you have Tim Jones, who 
No, I know a lot of people had Tim Jones, you know, not in the roster. You know, I, I know he had a drop here or there in the preseason. That it on it's gonna sound bizarre to say, but it doesn't matter if Tim Jones <laughs> doesn't catch a pass ever. That literally you know, like his role in the team, he's terrific on special teams, he's a great tackler, you know, really good downfield speed, he's a very good gunner. And then he's one of the best blocking receivers, you know, not just he's not just the best blocking receiver on the roster. You can make an argument he's one of the best in the entire NFL. And I think you put those two things together. So what if he doesn't have the most consistent hands? So what if he didn't, you know, obviously had a big touchdown against Miami, but so what if he didn't show up as much as some other guys? He has a very clear and refined role on that roster. And I think he's somebody who really does a good job of making the most out of his opportunities. So it wasn't a surprise to me to see that he made it. To me, you talk about the hierarchy. He's the number five to me. I expect him to be active over, you know, the two young guys. But moving forward, you know, obviously maybe Cooks, you know, the the hope with Cooks, at least at this point, is that he's somebody who you bring in now, he can develop as you move along, you know, as you move into year two and beyond. You know, he's somebody who you stash him now. He comes back next year, and maybe he can take a leap like, you know, Gregor Jr. took. Like, it looked like Garrett Prince was taking. We'll obviously get to him. And I just think that, you know, keeping him around for the long term is smart, even if they had to do some, you know, roster management to really make all the pieces work, if, if that makes sense. So, next, the tight end room. That wasn't, in my opinion, you know, anything to really talk about other than the top four tight ends on the roster. Their issue now, to me, obviously, is so, you know, Garrett Prince, Simon Kansas City Chiefs practice squad, you know, he, he's somebody who, you know, they've said that they wanted him on their practice squad. You know, he's somebody who they wanted to keep. It just didn't work out. And I think a lot of the people assume that when a team waves a player, then that player, if he's not claimed, will just automatically end up on the – the, the original team's pack squad. And that's not the case because two things have to happen. A team has to have interest in adding the player, and then the player has to agree to it and sign the deal. In this case, the Jaguars obviously had interest, but Prince, you know, looked like had other offers on the table. You know, he's from uh, like 10 miles north of Kansas City, I think is his, you know, hometown. So it makes sense why he would want to go there. Maybe a clearer path to playing time behind Travis Kelsey. I don't know their tight end depth room depth chart really looks like, but you know it. It to me was probably the most surprising thing, you know, of the fifty-three man roster that he didn't make the roster because it just looked like, and everybody made it sound like you know the plan was you know four tight ends on the fifty-three man roster, and because you know of Elijah Cooks really establishing himself, and because you know. They wanted to keep four running backs instead of three. They didn't want to lose Hasty. It looks like, you know, they really picked Cooks over Prince. And, you know, you look at the practice squad, and that's really probably one of their most underrated holes right now is now that number four tight end role. Because you look at the practice squad, it's Josh Peterson and Derek Parrish. You know, if they have any injury at tight end at all, then, you know, one of those guys gets elevated. And I'm not sure that's ideal. You know, obviously for them. 
The one thing is that unless the Chiefs protect Prince, the Jaguars can sign him to that active roster from Kansas City's practice squad, but teams can protect four players per week. They could just protect him and make it impossible for the Jaguars to sign him. So that was definitely the most uh, surprising thing to me. But, I mean, you look at it, and the numbers game is the numbers game. You know, Prince wouldn't have played with the Jaguars this year, you know, even if he made the roster. But he definitely was somebody who, to me, looked like a lock through the first half of training camp. He did disappear a bit during the preseason, but what are you going to do? That brings us to the offensive line. You know, you have Walker Little, you have Ben Barch and Tyler Shatley, Luke Fortner, Brandon Sheriff, Blake Hans, Cole Van Lannon, Anton Harrison. You know, you have a group there that I think has certainly potential, but I do think that Josh Wells going on injured reserve is maybe a bigger storyline than people know or at least think of right now, you know, like I, I think the Jaguars offensive line is going to be better than any outside, you know, opinion or outlet seems to have. But I also think that if there's any position of worry on the offense, it's the offensive tackle depth. You know, what happens if Walker Little, Anton Harrison, you know, God forbid, you know, have to miss any time before Cam Robinson returns, you know, because of Josh Wells' injury, you know, and he, you know, obviously not – and a starting tackle caliber player, but he's a good swing tackle. And if he had to go in there for a pinch, you know, he's experienced enough to do so. Now it looks like Blake Hans is their top swing option. Coleman Landon's another guy, you know, well, obviously that changes when Cam Robinson returns at the week four, but for right now, I mean, that's to me is the biggest story on the offense line, but I actually think their interior depth is better. People probably get the credit for, I think Barch and Shatley, you know, I, I, Every offensive line, you know, you're not going to have player one through five be, you know, all studs. You know, it, it just doesn't happen. So every offensive line is going to have at least, you know, one weak spot, you know. And that is going to be one for the Jaguars offensive line. I would guess it's left guard. But, you know, they, they can work around that. You know, they don't need an all-pro player at left guard. So I, I think that their interior depth, you know, with Shatley and Barch is better than, they, they give credit for, you know, Shatley's obviously clued to play. Barch looks like he's back. He played well versus Miami. To me, the most impressive, you know, guy who made the 53 was Cooper Hodges. He, he obviously is on the in-season injured reserve right now. He's out with a Patel injury for a, you know, undetermined period of time. It seems like the the Jaguars, you know, the reason he's on in-season IR and not the season one is because they want him to practice at some point this year. You know, I mean, he earned that because in training camp, he was very impressive. I mean, he, he looked like he had NFL, you know, ready strength. You know, he was really good on the move. He was solid in pass protection. He had a really good showing in week one versus the Cowboys in the preseason. So he's somebody who definitely earned that spot. And the fact that he was placed on in-season injured reserve, I think is a good thing you know, for him. So that's all we have for the offense right now. We will be back after some words from our sponsors. Hello and welcome back to the Jaguar Report podcast brought to you by John Shipley's Voice Cracks. We just went over, you know, the offensive roster. Now it's time to, you know, talk about the defense. And this is the area that I think, you know, if 
you have to classify like areas of concern, at least, you know, among people who look like they follow the Jaguars, it's probably the defense. And yeah, we'll obviously talk about why. On defense right now, the defensive line, Roy Robson Harris, Jeremiah Ledbetter, Foley Fadakasi, Adam Gotsis, Tyler Lacey, Angela Blackson. Uh, Devon Hamilton will will join them at some point. You know, he is obviously the key piece of that room. To me, he is their best interior defensive lineman. He looked like he was ready to have, you know, maybe even a Pro Bowl type season. I mean, that, that that's really how good he was in training camp. I've seen Devon Hamilton in training camp every year of his career, and this was a different Devon Hamilton. He had taken the leap, you know, and he was playing a little bit different of a role, you know, more penetration than just pure nose tackle. You know, they put him at defensive end, so he was able to be a three technique in some looks, and he was just devastating as a pass rusher. And them not having him for at least the first month of the season is a big blow. I do not think there's anything that you can say to mitigate that. And yeah, Jeremiah Ledbetter looked solid in the preseason, but Devon Hamilton, you know, had a chance to be, you know, one of their best defenders overall this year, you know, up there with Tyson Campbell and Josh Allen and Fourier Lewicun. So he is a significant loss for the first month of the season, especially, you know, week four when they play Atlanta. That's not an ideal week to not have. Your best defensive lineman. I mean, that's a room that, you know, Gotsis and Lacey are solid depth. You know, Ledbetter had a really good preseason training camp. Maybe he's a guy who, you know, he can be a late bloomer and really take off with them. You know, Mike Caldwell knows him well from, you know, playing with, from coaching him when he was in Tampa. You know, he has some scheme versatility. They think he can play nose tackle. He can play five technique. He can play three technique. So there's at least some potential there. And he did show up at times, you know, even before his dominant performance against the Lions in training camp. And after that, it just seemed like his error was firmly up. So it, it, they do have some nice depth pieces, but a lot's going to ride on Foley Fadakasi and Roy Robson-Harris. And Fadakasi is somebody who, you know, we'll find out this week what his status is for week one, but he's dealing with, you know, an injury in his own regard. And if they're missing him and Devon Hamilton in week one against the, you know, Indianapolis Colts, that's not ideal. For the defense, you know, it's far, far from it. And that brings us to the next room, you know, the inside linebacker room. You have, obviously, the starters in Foya Luakun. You have Devin Lloyd, Chad Muma, Shaquille Quarterman, Caleb Johnson. It's a position group that it – I really think that had Ventrell Miller not gotten hurt, you would have seen, obviously, him on this list instead of maybe – one of Johnson or Quarterman, but you know, these are five guys who it's all their second year in the system. It's all their second year with uh, Mike Caldwell and Tony Gilbert, the inside linebackers coach, you know, for uh, Quarterman, obviously he's been Wilbert even longer than that. I think, you know, that room having the most continuity is a good thing for the Jaguars because that's the room that they really need to see take a step this season. And, you know, Caleb Johnson and Shaq Quarterman are going to be, you know, strictly special teams guys. So you have your main three guys there, and Devin Lloyd, Moomun, and Lulukun, obviously being a starting middle linebacker. It, you know, re- remains to be seen, you know, how they would manage, you know, a potential, okay, let's get Moomun on the field more. But right now, you know, all the chips are pushed in on Devin Lloyd. You know, Devin Lloyd needs to have a big season because 
they're obviously banking on it. You know, Devin Lloyd needs to take the second year leap that they saw guys take last year that they're, you know, hoping even more guys take this year. And he's all training camp. It wasn't a competition with Chapman. It, it wasn't, it was Devin Lloyd's position, Devin Lloyd's job. That was never, you know, not going to be the case. And I thought he had a really solid training camp. You know, he looked like he was playing faster, much more confident, much more instinctual, you know, just really being more efficient with his movements, his reads. Even when he got beat, it seemed like he was at least in the right spot. And I thought he had a solid, you know, preseason. You know, not a lot of things really for the starting defense in general, you know, really to glean, you know, from the preseason. But he's somebody who they're going to need to take a big jump. And I will say the early returns on training camp were positive. That brings us next to the outside linebacker room. No surprises here. You know, Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, Kayla Vaughn, Chason, and Yasir Abdullah. You know, you have three first-round picks there. And then, you know, a rookie in Yasir Abdullah. Doug Peterson's already, you know, made it known that Kayla Vaughn Chason is their number three pass rusher. Like, there's not a question. That's not a debate. It's not a competition. It's nothing. It's Caleb Von Chase on is their number three, and he's going to play this year. You know, he's, he is going to play a significant bit. You know, he's not going to play starter snaps, but I, I would assume he's going to play north of 40% of snaps, which is a significant amount. And I really think that the Jaguars, I don't know if they were too confident in Chase on. I think that maybe they undersold what Arden Key gave them last year. And in their mind, you know, they're like, okay, we can get the one smoot back after the first month of the season or so. And, you know, you really just have to replace Arden's production. Maybe you can do that with Chase on and Abdullah, et cetera. I really think that, you know, it's kind of underrating what Key brought. You know, he, I mean, he was an incredibly efficient rusher. He was one of the most efficient rushers in the NFL, if you consider the fact he didn't play full-time snaps and, for them to lose him and to attempt to replace them with him with Chase on is a bold move. It, it isn't one that training camp or anything we saw in the preseason suggests will happen. And I mean, the reason, you know, Chase on isn't a bad player to have on your roster. Yeah, he was a bad first round pick, but he isn't a bad player to have on your roster in, in general. Because he's a really good special teams player. He's a really good locker room guy. You know, he plays with high effort. But he shouldn't be your number three edge rusher. You know, number four is probably where it should cap out. And he's the number three because you see Abdullah for as impressive as he was in the preseason with four pressures, a sack, and an interception. He's still a little bit of a project on the edge. You know, I think Doug Peterson even kind of alluded to that in his press conference. The other day, you're like they like what Abdullah brings to the table, but for right now, he's still somebody that wanted to bring along slowly. So Abdullah, I'm not sure exactly how many defensive snaps he'll even get during the regular season because that role it's going to be chase ons, and then you're adding Smoot into the mix after week four, and it seems obvious that's the path they're going to go. So those to me are the biggest questions that they have on that side of the ball is who's going to step up and help replace, you know, replace that production that they got behind Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker last year. And then there's Trayvon and Josh to begin with, you know, how, what can they really, you know, bring to a table? I mean, close to a dozen sacks combined last year. I, I think the Jaguars would hope for that to increase by a good bit this year. You know, Josh Allen playing in a critical contract year. 
this is his chance to really put up some great tape and have a chance to cash in next season. I think that he has the potential to obviously have a double-digit sack season, but to have the best season of his career, I thought he had an excellent training camp. And you can tell he's just playing and practicing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And then Trayvon, I'd be fascinated to see what the fan response would be and Trayvon ended his rookie year with, say, six sacks. Because to me, if he can increase his pressure numbers and his efficiency and keep his run defense the same, and if he finishes with six, six and a half, seven sacks, that's a good season for him to me. And that's not to lower the bar for him because he is the number one pick. He should be impactful. But the type of player that he is, if you go into the year hoping he's going to get double-digit sacks and he's going to, you know, be Aiden Hutchinson just rack up, you know, uh, clean uh, like a bunch of sacks, even, you know, some cleanup sacks here and there. I don't think he's going to be that player. He's a player who impacts the game in an overall, you know, role against the run, creating for others. And I think the big thing with him is just increasing his snap-to-snap, you know, pressure performance and not even getting a ton of sacks. So that's my stance on Trayvon season. I know it's probably not a popular one, but if he gets six sacks but increases pressures – and his overall efficiency, I think that's a good season for the type of player that he is and for the type of player that they use him like. So that's just my stance on it. That brings us to the cornerback room. The Jaguars, you know, carrying six corners, obviously Tyson Campbell, Darius Williams, Trey Herndon. Those are your three starters. Doug Peterson already named, you know, Trey Herndon the starting nickel. That's already always been known. You know, nobody took any role snaps there really in training camp other than Greg Jr., minimally here and there. And then behind those three, you have Greg Jr., you have Christian Braswell, the rookie from Rutgers, and you have Monteric Brown, you know, day three pick from last year. I, To me, that's an exciting cornerback room. I, I know there's not a lot of depth behind the top three guys. I know Trey Herndon is somebody who the fan base loves to rag on because when they played the Cowboys, one of the few teams in the NFL with a slot receiver who's done number one, he had – some issues, you know, here and there. But I overall think this is an uh, interesting cornerback room. I, I really do. I think Tyson Campbell and Darius Williams are two good outside guys. Trey Herndon can be, you know, a passable, you know, nickel corner, especially in his own heavy scheme. He tackles well. He puts as well. Yeah, he's not the fastest guy, and he's going to struggle against teams who have guys like, you know, a C.D. Lamb. But – not every cornerback on your team needs to be, you know, Darrell Revis. But behind them, Gregor Jr. showed a lot this training camp, a lot in the preseason. Terry um, Brown had flashes throughout the preseason. You know, he made the roster last year for a reason. He's another guy who give him another unit of system. Maybe he can take another step. And then Christian Braswell, he's my pick for day three pick with the most potential to make an impact, you know, later down the road. He has incredible movement skills. He can play inside. He can play outside. Had some really impressive reps throughout the preseason and training camp, despite missing a good bit of time with a hamstring injury. He is somebody who you stash him, keep develop him for a year, come back next training camp, watch him take an even bigger leap than Gregory Jr. did this year. Potentially even maybe push for a starting role sooner than later. That brings us finally to the safety room. The Jaguars carried five safeties. No surprises here, obviously. Rayshon Jenkins, Andre Sisco are your starters. Andrew Winger, number three. You have fifth-round pick Antonio Johnson on there. He's missed some time with the hamstring injury, but yeah, he's probably going to play a critical role in special teams. 
he's another guy, you know, kind of stash him on the second string, develop him for a year, come back next year and see where he's at. And then finally you have Daniel Thomas, you know, really, really solid special teamer. Somebody, you know, people ask why me, why is he making a team over a guy like Eric Hallett? Daniel Thomas is one of their best special teamers. You know, he is a core special team guy and a really effective, you know, gunner. And he also has years of experience over Hallett. So that wraps up the 53-man roster. You know, the notable guys who didn't make it, uh, obviously, if we went over some of them, Warwick, Prince, Snoop Connor. They, you know, let go of a couple of the draft picks. Derek Parrish, who was signed to the practice squad. Eric Hallett, who was signed to the practice squad. Raymond Vahasek, the seventh round defense tackle, is the only rookie who, you know, isn't still with the team. So they made 13 picks, 12 are still in the roster in some capacity. Nine made the team, two signed to the prep squad. Ventrell Miller was IR, and then you add in undrafted rookie Elijah Cooks. I mean, that's, you know, uh, 12 rookies in the building for a team that just went to the playoffs last year and returned a ton of people. That to me is good team building. And now the important thing for the Jaguars is to help those guys take the next step next year so that they can be those potential starters down the road, which is what Doug Peterson talked a lot about last Thursday is, you know, why keep a guy like, you know, Christian Braswell over uh, Devon Campbell, even if Campbell's more, you know, prepared to play right now, because as Peterson said, you know, they, they want the young guys on the roster. They want to develop them because when they pick them, you know, they need to show them that confidence. They need to show them back that investment that they made in them. They need to attempt to develop them and see where they're at because one day those fifth and sixth round picks can potentially, you know, help fill out your starting lineup. That is all that we have, you know, for today. Obviously a shorter episode with just myself, but Gus and I will be back next week to talk about the Jaguars playing the fighting Jim Merseys. In, 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 in Annapolis. That was a great bungled line by myself. I'm John Shipley. You can find me at John under, underscore John underscore Shipley on Twitter, X, whatever the, the heck you want to call it. And you can find Jaguar Report on there, si.com slash NFL slash Jaguars. Thank you for hanging with me, and we will see you all next time.